What's up, guys? Rick here with your Valspar Championship live chat. Welcome in. My wife dared me to roll in, so I didn't want to lose that. What's up? For the next hour or so, we are going to go through all things Valspar Championship, whatever you want. Um, you want to talk ownership. You want to talk about good plays, bad plays. Uh, this is your time. It is not my time. So go ahead and drop the comments in the chat. I'll get through as many as humanly possible, uh, and we'll see how it goes. This is an event that we have not seen since uh, 2019, and of course, Paul Casey is your back-to-back champion, but I'm sure there's going to be plenty of comments and questions about that. Um, before I kick this off and while you get your questions in the chat, uh, there is another live chat this evening. It is for Jock Market. It is for Stock Market DFS. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but it's at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time tonight with Joe Idoni and myself um, right here on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. So check it out. Let's see what kind of questions we've got. Jeffrey, welcome. Jeffrey's always a staple here. Oh, trying to show his... Why can I not show? There we go. Sorry, Jeffrey. I had a little balk trying to show your comment here. Says, love you, man. Wow, thank you. Right out of the gate, we're getting a lot of love. Noticed lately that groups seem to feed off each other, either good or bad. Is there any grouping you would want to grab all three as an advantage? I think that, Jeffrey, you probably only remember it when it happens. Uh, I think it probably does not happen as much as we would like to think, um, where all three guys go in a specific direction. But for the sake of this question, um, let me see if there's any groups that kind of stick out to me. I'm scrolling through here. So Connors is in a group with Holmes and, and Bubba. I like the Bubba and Connors side of that. I don't love that. Kokrak, Casey, Woodland would be nice if Woodland wasn't in it. Reed and Mickelson would be good if Kiridat wasn't in. That's kind of hard to find three guys in the same group that I really like. Um I do think it's an interesting stacking technique, though. I just, I just feel like we're probably only remembering when it happens for good or for bad, Jeffrey. So, sorry, I don't have a good group for you. Is the contrarian build this week stars and scrubs? Interesting. Let's pull up the cheat sheet. This is rickrungood.com. Everything you see is going to be available on rickrungood.com. So, I guess we're saying... Um, I'm not sure about that, actually, Andy, because I think a lot of ownership is going to be with Corey Connors and Jason Kokrak. Could you get Connors, Kokrak, and a guy in? Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so then we're on the same page here. So yes, I think the the more, uh, I think people are going to opt to go with a balanced build, start with Corey Connors, work their way down instead of playing a lot of guys in the 10K. So if you're going with two stars, offsetting them with some scrubs, yes, sorry, took me a second there, but I do believe that the contrarian play would be a stars and scrubs. Yes, I agree with that statement. With Lonto seemingly mispriced on FanDuel at 7,500, how do you handle situations that a player seems unpriced, underpriced, and likely heavily owned? Uh, well, if I decide that I cannot live without that player, there's an argument to be made on DraftKings that Corey Connors is underpriced and will be heavily owned. Uh, if I cannot live without that player, I can find different ways to differentiate, right? So let's use, just because I have it up on the cheat sheet here, let's use Corey Connors as an example and we can kind of pass, uh, we can use the same theory for um, for Lonto on FanDuel. So if you say Corey Connors is underpriced and highly owned, he's 3,100, but you say, I have to have him. I got to have him. Well, the other option is to 
then not get him in a lineup with Kokrak and Hoffman. It is to put him in a lineup with, I don't know, Cameron Tringale, who's been just fine. He's going to be a fraction of the ownership of some of these other guys. So just find a different way uh, to be unique or to differentiate yourself. So uh, decide, step one, decide if you can or cannot live without that golfer. And then step two, take take actions that will um, allow you to still be different in other ways. Any concern for Peter Uline struggling on Florida courses? I guess you could argue he's never been in this good a form coming into the Florida tournament. Yeah. So Hank, um, of course I have a lot, I have a lot of concerns about Peter Uline, but I'm also pretty bullish on him at the same time, right? We saw uh, a win on the corn Ferry tour, a runner up on the corn Ferry. He finished third with Richie Warinsky last week. They played phenomenal in the alternate shot format. You have to be in complete control of your game. Yes. I have concerns that, uh, this, this run is going to come crashing down at any moment because it's not like Peter Uline's a top 10 player in the world. You know, how long could this really last for, but, um, he's playing well. I, I don't have, I, I'm not looking much further past, uh, you know, into the, into the past for, for history at Florida courses or anything like that. I'm taking what I've seen in probably his last five starts and hoping he can do it for a sixth start, understanding that this run will probably not continue in perpetuity. And it never does for any golfer. I mean, Dustin Johnson's the same way. Um, I'm trying to understand what this says so far. Rick is good. I don't know what that means. Oh, okay. So this is a thread of, uh, way better than awesome. they talk too much so far. Rick is good. Okay. So, um, here's the thing. I don't know what other people talk about. Uh, hopefully that I'm presenting you. My whole goal here is to present you with logical information for you to make your own decisions, right? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You do not have to, uh, say, follow what I do. Maybe you shouldn't, maybe you should go out and do what's best for you, but hopefully I've given you enough information to help you make those decisions, um, as good as possible at this point in a one and done league. If you're trailing pretty significantly, is it time to start getting contrarian with your picks? Yes, probably. Um, the good news is this week, it's pretty easy to be a contrarian, right? Most people are going to take Paul Casey, uh, this week, no matter what. And they've had him circled for since the beginning of the season. So as long as you don't pick Paul Casey, uh, or Corey Connors, you can probably be pretty, pretty contrarian here. And Trevor, you should probably, I think this is an interesting week. If you're talking about one and done and you're trying to make up ground, you should be using Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, or Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed might be pretty popular too. The idea is it's a rare week where you're going to get, you're, you're not going to be on the chalky guys and you're going to get someone with more win equity. So yes, I think it's time to start um, bobbing and weaving a bit, Trevor, and seeing if you can, uh, if you can be a little bit different and see if you can make up ground. Sam Ryder or Camilo Vijegas. I usually skip these types of questions because it's really difficult for me to understand. Like, I don't know what format it is for. I don't know what the rest of your lineup looks like. I don't know your risk tolerance. So I usually try to skip these questions, but we can look up what these guys have been doing. Here is the Holy Grail. Um, you know, Vijegas, we don't have a huge sample size on going back like the last year or two, but from what I remember, he's a team no putt kind of guy. Yeah, so... Uh, there's a lot of things to be concerned about with Vijegas. Um, for the most part, a long time, he has been a terrible putter. Uh, he has been a better ball striker recently, but even at the RBC Heritage, he finally goes out and gains seven strokes on the greens, and it's only good for a top 25 because he was pretty sour in all the other departments. This, to me, looks like a game of whack-a-mole, Joshua, so I would be 
I'd be shocked if Ryder came back looking worse than uh, than Vijegas does here. Yeah, I mean, this isn't anything to write home about either, but at least what I see from Ryder is a little bit of upside. Runner-up at, at Punta Cana, eighth at the Honda, a top 20 with his partner at the Zurich, uh, which was Doc Redman, I believe. And what I see is a little bit of consistency. It doesn't mean it's good. I, it just means that uh, he's consistently losing strokes in one spot. That is a little more... Um, a little. I'm, I'm able to stomach that a little bit more when you're only losing in one category. Uh, reminder that at the end of the month, that offer that's running down at the bottom, uh, that goes away. $2,000 in free bets, that goes away in two days. So go to rickrungood.com slash bets to see if, if it's eligible in your state, but it's going down to 500. Evan, good to see you, bud. Says large scale one and done, lower, lower projected ownership, Connors or Reed? Probably Reed. Um, Connors, we're, we're reaching... We're reaching pretty critical mass for Connors right now, and uh, whether you like it or not, the the DFS projections, the ownership projections, do strongly correlate with one and done. It really shouldn't, but a lot of people like to say, okay, if I like this guy in DFS, I'm going to play him in DFS, and I'm going to play him in my one and done. There's not a lot of people. I, I personally hedge a little bit more. Um, there's a lot of people who won't hedge. So I do think just right now, if you ask me that, Connors or Reed, I think Connors is going to be uh, more highly owned, making Patrick Reed the lower owned player. Am I crazy to be in love with everyone between Hoffman and Keegan? Okay, well, let's find out. Hoffman's 86. Keegan is 79. So that gives us Palmer, Tringale, Grio, Kirk, Homa, Na, Gooch. No, it's a very good group. It's a very good group of golfers. I have a bit more concern about Grillo, who, you know, if you're just a little bit off in Florida, um, things get hairy quickly and he hasn't played particularly well in Florida. So I think I did this. I can't remember where I did this at, but let's do this. Let's do Grio and let's do the Florida events. So what I've done is I've done Valspar. Um, I need a button that you can click for just Florida swing, but let's do players, Honda and Arnold Palmer. And, um, he did not play the WGC down there this year. So he had a couple of really good finishes back in 2017, but his last couple of trips to Florida haven't been that fruitful. Misses the cut at the players. Um, 21st at the API. That was actually his best finish. A couple missed cuts at the, the 2020 API, the 2020 Honda. I just think there's big numbers lurking out there. And someone who's a, a hair more volatile um, scares me. But the rest of that group, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in Hoffman. I've bet him this week. Uh, Palmer is always undervalued. Tringale is being overlooked. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good group of golfers there, Anthony. So, no, you are not crazy. Patrick wants to know if I have any thoughts on Cameron Davis. I've not actually deep-dived uh, Cameron Davis here in quite some time. Let's let's do it. Uh, historically, I would be a little bit concerned because again, his bugaboo is the driver gets loose and the dri a driver getting loose at Innisbrook is scary stuff, but he's been really good the last couple of weeks, right? Gaining three or four strokes off the tee. That's a great sign. I don't like this, but that's only one week. He's usually better with his irons. And he's trying to figure out the putter a little bit. Yeah, okay. I can get behind this, Patrick. Um, I, I love the raw talent. You know me. I've been talking about Cameron Davis as as being bullish on him for a very, very long time. But those those are solid metrics. If he can, if he can get do this again, be a, a zero around the green player, you don't have to gain five on the surface, maybe gain two um, and keep your ball in play. I think that's interesting. 
How common of a build do you think it will be to start with Connors and work your way down? Yeah, so I think it's going to be very popular. Um, I, I think uh, from what I'm showing right now, Connors is going to be the the highest owned golfer on the slate. He's going to be about 31%. I think the most common starting point will be Connors and Coke Rack. Uh, you could be a little bit different and go Connors and Hoffman, which I probably like a little bit more, or you could go Connors and Bubba. Connors and Tringale, Connors and any of those other guys in the 8K range. Um, certainly not using a 10K guy is not going to be enough to differentiate yourself. You could also, Jimmy, if you really want, if you if you really got to have Connors, let's say you really have to have Coke Rack, um, leave like 800 bucks on the table. Throwing that out there. You know, I post, I tweet out the optimal lineups every single week. They all leave multiple thousands of dollars for the most part on the table. You are not giving up all that much. If you leave 800 bucks on the table. And now if you were, if you were not being so chalky, you could probably leave three, 400 on the table and be, be unique. But if you're going with super, super chalk, uh, you might want to leave more. I smell a three Pete says Brent referring to Paul Casey, trying to get on the short list of golfers who have won an event three consecutive times. Tiger's done it six times. Um, Steve Stricker was the last to do it. Oliver says, thanks for your time, Rick. Could you give me a read on Coke rack? He is much more off the tee dependent than when he had success here in the past. His approach numbers are down as well. I think his putting numbers are up as well. Let's take uh, a look here at Coke rack. I believe he's having one of the better putting years of his career. Can I say that? Oh yeah, by far. So this is um, by far the best putting year of his career. He is not as good off the tee as we have seen, but he's still just fine. And his approach game has taken just a little bit of a hit. Um, so he's 21st in strokes game putting. Let's look at what he's done more recently or just, uh, excuse me, by, by event here. So yeah, this is a little... A little dependent on the putter for me. I'm like, I would have liked this version. So, this was the version of Coke Rack that we saw leading into Shadow Creek, which was eventually his win, gaining strokes on approach nearly, uh, I mean, not, not nearly every week, gaining strokes on approach every week, culminating in finally getting a hot putting week and winning. Um, we're not seeing that as much now. He's much more inconsistent with his irons, which is scary. And he's much more reliant off the tee and with the putter. So Oliver, that scares me as well. I mentioned earlier, and I, I kind of stand by this. I would prefer Hoffman here. Uh, they're both going to be popular, but I do not think that Coke rack should be twice as popular as Charlie Hoffman is. I would prefer Hoffman in that spot. Can you compare Reed versus Connors head-to-head, asked Tim. Sure. So what I'll actually do is I'll bring up, um, this is the head-to-head matchup tool. It's on rickrungood.com. This is a mathematical uh, calculation to determine who is more likely to win a four-round matchup. Um, So I'll just plug in Patrick Reed, and I'll plug in Corey Connors. I imagine the longer term is going to be Reed, but if we go shorter, it'll probably be Connors. Let's see. Okay, I have Patrick Reed. So right now I'm going back to the start of 2020. I have Patrick Reed winning this 60% of the time, 59% of the time. If we go, I mean, if we go more recent, if we go to start of 2021, I bet you this flips and it does. Connors is 55%. Patrick Reed is 44%. So this is where you have to decide, Tim. I believe that was your question. Um, What's important to you? Do you want to go a little bit longer term? Do you want to go a little bit shorter term? I I prefer a little bit longer than that, but I couldn't blame you for trying to ride the hot hand and Connors would be the hot hand at the moment. 
Has Henrik Stenson turned the corner? I think he's um I think he's turning it. So let's let's take a look at this because he is someone that I've been wanting to keep my eye on in a big way. So he has not had a good run of golf. Now he finished 38th at the Masters, which is a place that really benefits uh experience. And then he goes and plays well at the Zurich with Justin Rose. Again, a format that experience also really helps. Um, so you could argue that those two recent good finishes are a are because of kind of the setup of the event. Uh, I mostly argue that, but I'm keeping a close eye on Stenson. I'm probably a four out of ten in terms of my excitement level on him. Um, I need to see. I need him to see. I need to see him do it. This what I will say. See, he's had an unbelievable run at Innisbrook, right? So, so if there was a place for him to again click, it would probably be here. Uh, okay, there we go. My wife said, "Oh my god, I can't believe you actually did it." Yeah, I can't believe I did it either. Um, this is presented by Jock Market. They are uh, sponsoring this. They are partners. They are great. Uh, I was before they were even sponsoring this show. I was telling you how much I liked Jock Market. It is a Stock market DFS game. So I think there is something lacking in our industry that is um, like in-game. Like, okay, so you have, you have uh, you know, showdown stuff, but like the actual in-game d- fantasy I think is lacking. And jock market fills that kind of, that that hole for me where you can bid on golfers uh, before the event starts. That's what's going to happen tonight, Wednesday uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern time, the IPO, the initial player offering closes for this week's Valspar. So uh, Joe Idoni and myself oh, for the first or for the hour prior, we do a live chat tonight at 8.15 uh, Eastern on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. So you bid on the golfers, then you get your shares of golfers and you can buy and sell uh, them over the course of a week. And just to kind of give you or over the course of a, of a, to- a tournament, and just to kind of show you this, you know, John Rahm has been in 11 different jock markets and you can see, uh, you know, what he has done. He, he has his IPO price is generally 10, 11, $12. His payouts usually 11, 12, 13, $14. Someone who's in the field this week, Justin Thomas, uh, lost you money at the Masters, but he made you a ton at the Players Championship and the Zozo Championship. So it's just kind of a different way. And there's a lot of money to be made over here because it's still uh, very much, I don't want to call it in its infancy, but it is very much an up and coming. Uh, format and there's there's a lot of edges to be had as there are in most things when you just get started out. Patrick Reed, a good one and done candidate. Your hair is lush, by the way. Thank you. It is. Uh, it does look good today. I appreciate that. Yes, I believe Patrick Reed is one of the better one and done candidates. Um, in the in the formats that I have not used him, I am using him. I think he has a go to shot uh, off the tee. I think that he he really thrives in situations where the conditions get more difficult and short game become, becomes a, a higher priority or, or a bigger emphasis for success. And uh, he wins. He actually wins golf tournaments. There are a lot of guys that we throw out there on a weekly basis who don't win nearly as much as Patrick Reed. This is my huge thing I'm trying to drink out of. Anyone you like at 6K even. Ooh, doggy, Jason. That is a really really tough question. 6k even. 
Boy, do you do you like the story of uh, Michael Visaki? I believe is how he pronounces it. Let me get let me get this question out of the way. Um, he was he's this guy who's been grinding mini tours for a long time. Just Monday qualified. Um, if you want to ride the hot hands, he's down there at six thousand dollars. Michael Kim made the cut last week uh, with his partner uh, Brandon Hagee, which is. Notable because Michael Kim misses a lot of cuts. Man, the, I mean, there's a reason these guys are 6K. Those would be the only two I would... I mean, I'm not going to play any of these guys, but if you really had to, those would probably be the two that I would pick. For cascading lineups, uh, is it better to build around a cheap core while switching it up to more expensive guys or build around your studs knowing that you will play, knowing they will play well and switch the bottom guys around? Interesting. Um, so if you don't know what Duke is talking about, this is a lineup building strategy that I have um, deployed in 20 maxes called core cascading. You make a really tight core and then you just kind of swap guys out. There is a video for it um, on my YouTube channel. It is called, I don't know, just do a Google search for Rick run good core cascading. Um, so I, what I like to do is I like to leave myself kind of both here where like I leave myself with my core. I like to leave three or $400 on the table so that I can, when I switch, I can switch up if I need to, uh, which gives me access to more expensive guys in some spots. Um, but I think to answer your question, I would, we, so statistically we are usually better, believe it or not at getting, um, getting the cheaper guys correct. So, so there's more cheaper guys and the industry usually hones in on the correct one. We're usually better at predicting those than we are at predicting the studs. So I would actually say build around the bottom guys, which is kind of crazy. You say Malnati is a psycho. I feel the same. That's just like out of context statement there. Uh, I feel the same about Sabatini. He seems to play well on hard courses, has a good course history. Could you look at him? Thanks for all that you do. Sure. Yeah. So let's pull up Rory Sabatini here. The other Rory. Um, I've not done a deep dive into Rory in quite some time. So this is probably a good opportunity to do so. So here's Rory. Let's see if we can find him on some hard courses. Uh, waste management. Top 10 there. API missed the cut. Honda missed the cut. I'm trying to see where else I can get him. US Open 59th. PGA Championship 66th. Memorial missed the cut. So I don't know if he actually plays well, at least recently, on difficult golf courses. I would agree with the sentiment that he is a streaky, high upside guy, but I think he's more streaky inside the round than he is in, 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 in actual results. Although he did, I, I guess the stretch of Sanderson to farmers was pretty good. It hasn't been as good recently. I'm not, I'm not as excited Mitchell, but I appreciate you. You hopping on is how does Henley look to you this week? Oh, Henley's another guy we have not talked about a lot. Remember back in, um, Earlier in the year, we were like, yeah, he's been like the number one approach player for the last year. Wow. Yeah, look at this. I mean, this is this is what you want from Henley. Uh, he's going to gain strokes and a ton of them on approach every single week. This is a really good sign here. He loses 2.7 strokes putting at Heritage and finishes ninth. That's awesome. Okay, that is... Actually, this is going to convince me to play Russell Henley, isn't it? 
these are pretty good metrics. I have to admit. I mean, the fact that he gives himself such a great baseline of gaining as many strokes as he does on approach. And then he has the ability to roll the rock at times. Gains eight at Honda. He's generally a positive putter. Yeah, man, this is pretty good. This is a good call. I like the way that stacks up. Thank you. Do you have data on who played better last week between Warinsky and Uline? So no, um, because even the data that I do have is super wonky, right? Like if we looked at who made birdies in the best ball, that doesn't really tell the story either because maybe both of them are 15 feet away. The first guy who makes it, he gets credit for the birdie. Maybe the other guy would have made it too. Also, the alternate shot is um, really difficult to determine who played better. What I will say is this. They were eight under in alternate shot. Um, the only teams in the history of that event that have been better in alternate shot won the event. Cam Smith and Blix won it in 2017 and Rahm and Palmer won it in 2019. And to be eight under an alternate shot, you both have to be in complete control of the golf ball. There's just no other way around it. If one guy's playing well and one guy's playing not, you're making pars at best. You're making a lot of bogeys too. So I don't have the data, but I will tell you historically what they did was awesome. And to have, um, you, you just got to be in complete control. Am I crazy for liking Poulter this week? I think so. He, somebody in the Slack channel said, uh, uh, Poulter is team only putt, which I thought was kind of funny. Let's take a look here. Yeah, man, this is super scary. So the fact that he, so at RBC Heritage, he gains nine strokes putting, finishes 48th. If you gain nine strokes putting, you should win. Win. Masters gains eight strokes putting, only finishes 26. That is super scary stuff. That means he has to gain five, six, seven strokes putting to just make the cut. Like that's terrifying, Milton. So, yes, I think you're crazy. Sorry, Scotty Scheffler. What are your thoughts on him? I like him a lot, Brian. Um, he is a I know he has not won on the PGA Tour yet, but he's a big-time birdie maker. He's playing well. He got it going with Bubba at times last week. I think what most people won't realize, let me see if I can show you this. Um, his around the green game, at least recently, has been a lot better than people want to give him credit for. So this is, or actually not even. So here's the last 50 rounds. The last 50 rounds for every single golfer in the field. This is on the course key stats tool. One of my favorite little tools here. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is number one around the green. And we know that strokes gain around the green is quote unquote, the most important stat at Innisbrook. Um, it's not one of the strongest correlated ones, but it, the way it ranks compared to the other courses is critically important. Then you compare that to his very strong off the tee game in those same 50 rounds. And you get a golfer who, um, is probably going to avoid a lot of big numbers. If you miss off the tee, he can get up and down. We know he can make a ton of birdies. I really like Scotty Scheffler this week. Um, I don't have uh, a, so this is a question about Sam's Sam Horsefield. What's your take on him? I don't know a lot about him. Um, so we'll go with what you say, John. He grew up in Florida. He played at university of Florida, but not sure this is the best fit. He's tearing it up on the Euro that he is. I knew that, but I don't know as much. And I don't think I have a ton of stats on him. Um, I don't have his Euro stuff yet. Yet. That's a little teaser there. Yeah. I don't have anything for him. I don't have a player profile for him. So unfortunately your guess is as good as mine when I combine. Uh, all right, I'll just tell you. So I'm working on like a universal database, right? Of Euro and PGA, which is going to be awesome. And it's already coming together a little bit. So I'll hopefully have more information about these types of guys. 
bust a link for your mic. Uh, it's the road podcaster. This is like seven years old. They might not make this anymore. Their new roads, new mic. I think it's called the pod mic. Uh, the other guys on, on CBS and the first cut have it from all indications. It's a very good mic. This is the podcaster. I freaking love this thing. Thoughts on Homa this week. Have him in head-to-head against Nah based on the tool, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so let's take a look at Homa. I was hoping that he and Gooch would play, <clears throat> excuse me, play better last week. Um, also, he made, uh, Homa made an albatross on Tuesday, I believe. See what he's been up to. Doesn't get out of his group stage. That's fine. Misses the cut at the Masters. Misses the cut at the Players. Um yeah, I'm not, I'm like warmish on him. I, I, I understand like this stretch of golf that we had where he had that win of at, at Riviera and even the way he played after that were phenomenally impressive. Haven't seen that. It's now been a while. Um, I'm going to probably take a more cautious approach on Homa this week. Brian says, Rick, I've been using your head-to-head matchup system to decide between similarly priced guys on DraftKings. Love the site. Thank you. So first of all, this is what I think. So I have this tool, head-to-head betting. It is all it tells you. Thank you, Brian. It tells you who is more likely to win in a four-round matchup. That's it. So you could make a bet off of that. Or what happens a lot of the times is these numbers are so close and the odds that you're getting from bookmakers, um, there's not enough value there. So that doesn't mean you can't use this tool for other things. So my perfect example, let's use the Hoffman Kokrak example. So Kokrak is getting more ownership than, um, than, than Charlie Hoffman is. But if you go since the start of 2021, I have Hoffman winning a four round head to head matchup 55% of the time. Well, Jason Kokrak's got like 12 more, uh, percent of, of projected ownership. So are you telling me it would be a better play if, if we knew these things to be true? And of course, 55% of the time means that 45% Charlie Hoffman is not going to finish better than Jason Kokrak. But if we know these things to be true, if you we knew before the tournament started that Jason Kokrak was going to get 26% of the ownership and Charlie Hoffman was going to get 15, and we knew for a fact that Charlie Hoffman was going to win a head-to-head matchup 55% of the time, you would be mathematically wrong to choose Jason Kokrak in a lineup over Charlie Hoffman if you were comparing those two golfers together. Um, it, it is, of course, it's golf, and we're only running it once, and 55% is, is, is still nearly a coin flip. So you might end up looking wrong when, when the results come in, but you would be mathematically incorrect to do it that way. So thank you, Brian. I agree. It is one of the best uses of this tool, even though it is not necessarily what it was built for. Keith Mitchell comes up from Jeffrey. Let's take a look at Keith Mitchell. Um, you know, he got what we saw from him with Snedeker last week is kind of classic Keith Mitchell. You know, he makes two Eagles in a row. He plays really, really well. And then he finds the water like back-to-back shots or whatever. Like it's just, there's so much inconsistency and volatility. I think people like to play him in Florida because he's got that win at the Honda a couple of years ago. He's historically probably played better here uh, than in most regions. I really like his ability to drive the ball. That's something that uh, is certainly going to be valuable in this format. And he's getting a little bit of a hot putter 
uh, or at least a better putter than we've seen in recent weeks. So I'm I'm warming on Keith Mitchell, but I'm understanding that he is in no way, Jeffrey, a safe play. I think his range of outcomes is larger than most. Russell wants to know if there's any concern around the 9K guys with their poor play around the greens. Answer Neiman come to mind and hit the like button. Oh, yes, that's very smart. While you're here, hit the like button. Thank you. Costs you nothing. So the 9K range. Uh, Scheffler. Okay, so we're talking about kind of Neiman and we're talking about answer in terms of around the green stuff. They're not that bad. Uh, this what I'm showing you right now is the last like it's the last two years. Let me sh- let me see if I can find um, let's do the last 50 rounds and see what these guys have been up to. The 9K guys around the green. I mean, answer's been a zero. Was that one of the names? Yeah, you one, one of the names you meant. Answer's been a zero. That's fine. Neiman's been a positive. Let's go a little bit more recent. Let's go let's go 16 rounds. That might be too recent. Let's do that. Answer is again a zero and Neiman is okay. Neiman's been worse recently, but historically he's, he's better than that. So no, I I guess based on your question, Russell, no, I'm not concerned. Thoughts on Louie for one and done seems to be in decent form, has solid course history plus bounce back storyline. Yeah. I don't care about the storyline as much Jasper, but um, he has been good. He's been good recently. He's played well at this event before. He has a skill set that should set up well. I've got no problem running Louie back out there. I think you will be one of the um, one of the few people who are using him, which is generally a good thing. Who have you gotten colder on and who has piqued your interest? Okay, I, I knew this question was coming. I have gotten more interest in Russell Henley, especially since this show started. I have gotten more interest in Russell Henley. And I've probably gotten... Less interest in like Corey Connors. Um, the projected ownership number keeps going up. I I I love Corey Connors. I think he is great. I think that he is um the perfect fit for this, but golf is weird. Golf happens, things get crazy out there. I mean, what is he at 31% ownership? What is he going to need to do? Like if he finishes outside the top 10, was it worth it? Probably not. Probably not. If Louis, like, I don't think he is, Louis is, uh, or Connors is getting five times the ownership that Louis is. I don't think that's right. So I'm probably, I, I'm using Connors and I actually did use Connors in, um, in the high roller in the thousand dollar one and done. I used I used Corey Connors, um, because I'm happy to chalk it up there. And the guy that is ahead, there's only one guy ahead of me in that one has already used Corey Connors. So I understand Connors, uh, is valuable this week. I just do not like necessarily playing him on DraftKings as much. Is there someone in the 6,500 to $6,900 range to finish inside the top 20? Ooh. Okay. Let's go look. 65 to 69. So Warinsky's here. If we like Uline for the reasons that we like Warinsky, you have to consider Warinsky. You'd also probably have to consider Hagee. Um, Hagee's a bit of a popper. He's a bit more inconsistent. Him and Michael Kim made the cut last week. He had a 17th at the Valero. He had a runner-up at the Honda. Um, I do not mind Hagee. He's actually a better short game player than people want to give him credit for too. So those would be the ones that I would narrow it down to. 
Oh, yeah. So this is the question I was just kind of talking through. Louis looks to be a pretty big pivot off of Connors for GBP. Do you think that's a smarter play? Yep. Who in the Grio price range is there to change to? Literally everybody, right? Like he's in that really juicy. He's in this $8,000 range where like all these guys are great. So um, Tringale would probably be the most natural fit. He's only $100 more, uh, more expensive and he's probably going to be less owned. The other guys are going to be pretty popular. Uh, I, I would... I mean, all these guys are great. I would have no problem pivoting to any of them. Do you like the idea of starting with JT? Hey, TJ. Uh, wow. TJ asked a question about JT or DJ. Do you think there is a little like initial bias there? Someone who goes by initials maybe interested in these guys. I'm on, I'm on to you. I'm on to you. You're scheming something. Do you like the idea of starting with JT or DJ and no one else above 9K? Ooh, or going with Reed and Scotty up top. Uh, so I will tell you, I did start with either JT or DJ. I won't tell you which one. Okay, I will. It was DJ. I started with DJ. I just thought that the sentiment on him was, um, it's wrong. I, I mean, the, nobody flips a switch like he does. He's been bad for, like, this is what I think everyone loves to do. Someone sent me a message and it wasn't a bad question, but it was just like such a cherry picked question. And it was here. Someone was like, are you concerned about Dustin Johnson? He's been horrible for four starts. And it's like, oh, I mean, he's been like, it's been okay. It's been okay for four starts or five starts. Right. I mean, he's just coming off the top 15 at the heritage, but also you don't, you don't want to say, look at DJ's last eight starts because he's been awesome. Or you don't want to say, look at DJ's last 12 because he's been phenomenal or look at DJ's last 16 because he's been the best player in the world. So, um, I've, I've said, I've made it a, a, a new year's resolution to play more Dustin Johnson. And that is what I intend to do. Thanks for the great content, Rick. Thank you for showing up. I appreciate it. Uh, Greg says, give, give Rick some freaking likes people. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, don't turn into the Mayo show. My God, hour and a half show pick last five minutes. I'm, I don't, I don't know if this is a compliment or not to me. I'm just going to do me. And I hope you enjoy it, Mitch. And if you don't, Sorry, man. Do you ever core cascade and skip a whole range? Yeah. So the core cascading thing, it, it there's the, there are no rules to it. So this is kind of one of the questions I get all the time. People are like, Hey, should I always do, um, cheap guys? Should I always leave money on that? Like there are no rules. The idea of a core cascade doesn't mean you should skip range, skip ranges or not. You can do whatever you want. It's different every single week. The idea is to take six guys that you like make your best possible lineup. The idea is make your best possible lineup and then cascade on the other spots uh, as an, as an, as a way to get exposure to guys you normally would not have gotten exposure to. That's it. That's the only hard and fast rule. Anything else you can do. Um, so if you want to skip the 8K range, if you want to build balanced, if you want to build stars and scrubs, it doesn't matter. It's all about making one lineup and being tight in your core. Can you do Scotty versus Casey head to head? Sure. <clears throat> what uh, what time frame do you want? Um, I can give you a couple. So I bet you Casey more recently is going to win this, which I'll do the more recent one first. Oops, I clicked Scott Stallings. Sorry. All right. So Casey recently, so twenty twenty one, wins this sixty two percent of the time. If we go back further, I bet you Casey still probably wins this, but it might tighten. Oh, wow. Scotty, since the start of 2020, gets the edge here. So there you go. There's two time frames. Do you find Hillary Swank hot or not? 
I think she has a very symmetric face. I'll just leave it there. Love Mark finished second at the Corn Ferry Tour event. Has good history here. Is he a good 6K pick? I do like these guys um, that are play. The Corn Ferry is so good, guys. I've been saying this for a year. More than that, probably. The Corn Ferry Tour is really good. These guys are phenomenal. The line has never been more blurred, especially in a year where no one lost their PGA Tour card. Um, so if you are having success on the corn ferry, it is because you are earning it. So I do like snagging some of these guys on their way up as they come up, they play a couple times a year, whatever. I do like that. <clears throat> Portnoy or Kepka, who will win? Come on. Kepka left-handed and blindfolded would beat him. It's no doubt about it. Cause it doesn't like, and then also no, nah, Kepka is going to just, just, kill him um is sam burns a good one and done candidate this week interesting uh i think the good news is you'd be the only one on him i i don't think people are running to use sam burns played okay with horschel last week they had that one really ugly hole in alternate shot i guess it would have been on friday they made like triple on 18 uh and probably that probably cost them the event um yeah, that was that was a shame. They did they did play well though. I, I wish I had the metrics from that. He played a little bit better off the tee, which is the one thing we were waiting for it to come back, Ethan. We were waiting for the driver to come back for Sam Burns. Played a little bit better at Heritage. I wish I had the numbers from Zurich. Um, I, I would say you'll. I I wouldn't do it, but if you if you want to go that way, and uh, he would be the only guy, you or you'd be the only guy. Phil the Thrill Mickelson has been better lately. That is for sure. So I, I'm pretty bullish on Phil this week. I, here are my concerns. Uh, well, let me show you what I like about him first off. He was also 175 to one, which I kind of thought was crazy. Um, not that he might win this thing, but I thought that was great. Okay, so here we go. So here's Phil Mickelson. He has gained strokes on approach in four straight, five of six. Last time he did five of six here, right? He did five in a row from... Safeway to Genesis, and he had a win and a runner-up finish in there. Uh, before that, five of six, probably this stretch here, 2018. He in that stretch, he won Mexico. Like this is um this is a really good run of metrics for Phil. The concern I have is if that driver gets loose in Florida, it's a big number. Now I will say this. Um He's been better with the driver. He's been much better. If he could, if he could drive to a zero, gain strokes on approach, and do a little Phil short game magic, he's going to contend this week. That's that's the blueprint for Phil. Deep dive woodland. <laughs> Talk about vacation. All right, hold on. Deep dive woodland. Uh, from what I can guess, he has not been good. All right, so he goes 40th at the Masters, sixth at Valero, but. A lot of that was uh, around the green a little bit more than I would like. That was one of his better around the green weeks ever. And then outside of that, he's been pretty horrific. I have a lot of concerns about Woodland. Um, he used to be, so if we go back, like look, this is vintage Woodland right here. This is, you know, when he goes out and he wins and he's just ball striking the heck out of it, right? He's gaining strokes off the tees, gaining strokes on approach. This is the guy. This is This is the Woodland I want. We have not seen that version of Woodland in a while. Uh, I, I continue to be concerned. (laughs) 
Oh boy. I've answered a lot of these, which are good. Team Louie. Yeah, that's fine. Talked about Louie. Revi popped in my custom model. Ooh. Am I burning my lineup playing him? I wonder why he popped for you. I wonder what your metrics were. Let's talk, take a look at Revi. Remember, there was times when Revi was $10,000. Like, um, I guess it was probably like four years ago at this point. But um, I always think about that. I always think about that. So I don't know what made of what might have popped for you. Revi has missed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of his last 12 cuts. Maybe, maybe you were doing strokes, gain, miss cuts, Rob. Maybe that's what you had weighed too much. Um, no, I mean, he's a good ball striker, right? He hits his irons well. He's completely lost the putter. The short game is a concern. Uh, doing that at Innisbrook at the Copperhead course seems less than ideal. Uh, I, I, would be, I would be pretty worried about that. <clears throat> yeah, so TJ brings up a point that I was kind of alluding to. Like, if we like Peter Uline... We have to like Richie Wierenski for a lot of the same reasons. Um, Richie is a popper. He's going to miss cuts. He's going to finish top five. Peter's got a lot of incentive to finish inside the top 10, make sure he gets another start. So I don't mind that, TJ. Like I, I think there's valid reasons for both of those guys. Why does Blix play here all the time? Good record too. Uh, well, you've probably answered your own question, Drew. Probably plays here all the time because he has a good record here. Or does he have a good record here because he plays here all the time? Chicken or the egg? I don't know. Kokrak, Ustazen, or Connors for my one and done? Uh, I would say it probably depends on your position. If you are front running or near the top, Connors. If you are trying to make up ground, Louis would probably be the best one there because I think he's going to be the lowest owned. Uh, so decide what you would what, what you would like. Congrats on 20K Twitter followers. Thank you. I am over 20K, aren't I? Let me take a look here. 20 Point seven now. Wow. Very cool. Thank you. Gim seems uh seems cheap. <laughs> Let's take a look. Doug Gim makes a ton of birdies. Played well last week at times. <clears throat> $7,300 on DraftKings. Yeah, this is what I love about Doug, and I should show you this. Gain strokes on approach in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in a row. That is really good. Um, Got to figure out the putter. Really has to figure out the putter. But if, if there's anybody who's going to like team no putt, then yes, it is me. How do you feel about McCarthy? I've actually um, gone on CBS Sports HQ and I have talked about McCarthy and how much I like him. So I'm pretty, I'm on the record for being a Denny guy this week, it is no no secret that he is um, best putter on tour. I think that's pretty clear. What we're seeing here, even being as remember, okay, so all the time we're like, oh, if Morikawa can putt to a zero, he's going to win. It's kind of like if Denny can hit to a zero, he's going to win. It's not that exact because he's going to have to put his eyes out. Uh, but we're seeing him starting again to turn the corner with some of his longer game stuff, which is always exciting. And if you can get hot with the putter like Denny can, it's good. It's good. So yeah, I actually, um, I actually have a bet in on him this week. I got him at, I got him at a hundred. Wait, let me check this. I think I got him at a hundred and five to one at Circa. Who is Mina's play of the week and where's my boy Oliver? Oliver is probably with Mina right now because um, he's her shadow. Wherever she goes, he goes. 
And I think her pick last night, we were at Circa last night. We were looking at the board and I was like, all right, who like, who, who do you like here? She's like, Gary Woodland. I'm like, that's a terrible pick. And we just talked about Gary Woodland. So um, she's going with the Woodmeister. I am, uh, she was also a couple drinks deep at the time. So that might've judged, you know, clouded her judgment. Uh, but that is where she's going. <clears throat> can we do a deep dive on Bubba? Yeah, okay. That's fine. We can do that. So I actually thought his metrics were better than this, I think. So I, I kind of like Bubba because he's, um, you know, he has the ability to get hot. I always like that. The problem is I thought his T to green stuff had been better. This was the stretch where I was really loving Bubba from WGC to Zozo. Like this was awesome. Like I want this version of Bubba back where he gains seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 strokes T to green. We're not seeing that right now. It's he's still got a couple of decent results. The match play, because you can kind of get away with that there. If you're lucky, um, the masters, he had a, a top, tw- a, a, I call it a top 25. He finished 26th, played well there. Zurich, I don't have the numbers for. So I, if we can get the Masters version of Bubba, I'd be, I'd be a little bit happier, and I'd love it if he could go back to the end of 2020. Um, that would be fun. Do you plan to add more stat categories to the new lineup builder? Uh, yes. So this lineup builder, uh, and again, it's it says it it says it here. As well, just so you guys know, this is very much in beta. This is a brand new tool. I released it a couple of weeks ago. I am trying to make sure um, it works, and there are no and there are no uh, wrinkles that need to be ironed out. And there's some other things that I have in mind. But yes, this is the this is the start of of what tools are going or what uh, what stats are going to be available. The goal is to continually and constantly expand them. Thoughts on Cam? Okay, we talked about Cam Davis. Um, Lonto is dirt cheap. Is this a pricing error? I think you're probably looking at FanDuel because I've been alerted that he is uh, probably a... uh, He's probably been mispriced incorrectly over there uh, on FanDuel. So I think that's what you're talking about. And yes. Kevin Erickson, good to see you, bud. Thanks for the super chat. So Kevin Erickson pops in, says, congrats on being best friends with Sanjay. Uh, was great to see on Twitter. Keep up the excellent work. Uh, Kevin, as always, I appreciate you. So for those who don't know, weird thing happened last, I guess it was last week. Um, I, so I have golf balls with Sung Jay's picture on them. That picture from the tour championship, that golf TV created where there was like caricatures of everyone. Uh, I took the Sung Jay one because I thought it was awesome. And I had it printed up on golf balls. I then went to TPC Summerlin and I lost a couple of those golf balls because I'm not very good at golfing. And Sung you'll know, uh, found one and took a picture of it and sent it to Sung JM. And Sung JM uh, then replied, but it was all in Korean and I did not know what it said. So I had to have someone on Twitter um, uh, translate it for me. And apparently it was like Sung, Sung you'll know said, I was in the hazards at Summerlin and I found this ball with your face on it or something like that. And then Sung Jay said, I can't believe this exists. Ha 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 or whatever. Uh, and then I sent them a picture and I was exchanging DMS, um, with the guys and it was nice. They were, they were really, they were cool about it. And, uh, it was fun to see. I was shocked to see that anybody could have found the, found the ball. I mean, I, those balls were all over the place. So you probably could have found them pretty easily.
Thanks for all you do, Rick. Hit that like button. Thank you. Since you geeked out on Henley, how does this game stack up against Scheffler, who's popped in many of your models? Yeah, so I, I think that, uh, and this is a really good distinction. So I think Henley's game, Henley's game fits a lot of places because he is so solid on approach. That gives you a really good baseline. Um, Scheffler's game, I think, is a bit more... I don't want to call it course dependent. I don't want to say that, but I think it, it's certainly more that way than Henley. So if we get a course like we're getting this week where we can lean into um, Scheffler's off the tee strengths and his around the green strengths, I think that's probably better. So I, I, I guess it's just a little bit different. Um, I, I think I think Henley's got a better baseline for for most courses in general. Uh, oh, okay. So this is the other part of the story. Colin says, how did you get paired up with Norman Zhang at TPC Summerlin last week? So the other part of the story is I was playing with Norman John. Actually, Norman is probably at fault for why Sung Yul No found my ball. <laughs> so here's what happened. I think I was on 16, maybe 16. I think that's what Sung Yul No said he found it on 16. Um, he, I hit my ball into like this rocky area way right. And Norman goes, oh, I found it. And he threw me the ball and it wasn't my ball. It was a Bridgestone, but I wasn't going to tell Norman this isn't my ball. Keep looking. So I was like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. I'll go, I'll, I'll go hit now. So I just left my ball there. Cause I had, cause he had found one for me. So that's, I, that I, I think is the one that they found. How did I get paired up with him? Uh, it was random. I showed up on the first tee, walked up. He said, hi, I'm Norman. We have the same tee time. We're off. It was, it was cool. Uh, I did not do a fades video this week. I've been, uh, you know, we've been very busy trying to do stuff on on the website with the data and um really trying to grow the database as well so i've been putting in hours into that so like in the last couple of weeks i didn't do necessarily a sleepers video or a fades video this week i got back to doing a sleepers video uh, i did not do a fades one so what i would probably say and i want to be very 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 clear about this i really like Corey connors this week but i'm not sure it is going to be worth it to play him at 31% um, in DFS. I'm playing him in one and done. Um, I've got bets on him for matchups and all that other stuff. So I think he's a good play, but this 31% number really scares me. As far as other fades go, again, I like Jason Kokrak. I like Charlie Hoffman pretty significantly more at what is going to be about half the ownership. Uh, I would probably stay away from Kokrak in that situation. Max Homa should probably not be garnering 20% at $8,100 when we've already talked about the $8,000 range being absolutely stacked. So those are the three guys that while I understand and appreciate what they're doing, they're probably not going to be making fits into my DFS lineups because of um, because of how the rest of that kind of shakes out. All right, we've got a couple minutes left here. Let me see if I can go through some of these. I've answered a lot, which I think is good. Hoagie has gained strokes on approach in eight straight events. Is he a good play? Anytime anyone's going to gain strokes in eight straight, it's they're good. It gives you a good baseline. If you can catch a hot putter, like you're there's there's probably very little times that you're going to see me see find a guy who has gained strokes in eight in a row and be like, I'm out on this. All right, rank these for one and done. M. Reed Hovland. I'm 48th out of 63, and I run the league. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So you got to make up ground here. Um, Reed might not be that popular, or you've probably already used them. I would rank them in a vacuum. Reed M. Hovland. If you really want to be contrarian, play Sungjae. Reed, go go check to see how much Reed has been used. Good luck. 
Hey, Rick, hope you're good. I'm sure you've answered this a bunch of times. Should we worry less about ownership when it comes to single entries? Also, what does RGT stand for? Uh, where did you see RGT? It probably stands for Run Good Tour. Because I during quarantine, I ran a video game golf tour. It was awesome with stats and tools and all this stuff. Uh, and we just played, we just played it on PlayStation and Xbox. That was what, that's what RGT stands for to me. I don't know where you're seeing that. Um, but I assume that's what it stands for. Should you worry less about ownership in single entries? I would probably argue you should worry about it more. Um, because most people don't worry about it. So that is why when you see, so like Corey Connors in single entry, that is going to be like, he's probably going to be 40% out right? Because people are going to say, I'm only building one lineup. I got to have this guy in it. So I would actually argue, Chris, that you should, you should worry about it more. Or if you're not going to worry about ownership, leave $500 on the table. Why no FanDuel pricing on the cheat sheet? Yeah, they're, um, so I get all my data through APIs, right? These, through these official APIs and, uh, theirs was giving me issues. I don't know if it broke down. It was just, I'm hoping to have it back shortly. I just got to fix a few data things. I'm pretty bullish on Hoffman, Ben. So he says, what do you think about Hoffman versus Louis? I can just show you why. Like here, here's, here's the, the real story about Charlie Hoffman. He's been awesome. Let's just go since the start of 2021. So all golfers in the world since the start of 2021, I'm even going to open this up to not even guys in this field who have a good sample size. Jordan Spieth is number one. Charlie Hoffman is number two. That's why I'm so bullish on Charlie Hoffman. I mean, he's been phenomenal and he's also doing it with the approach game. So if you look at approach numbers, well, Morikawa's one, Spieth is two, Connors, Thomas, Casey, then Hoffman. He's been awesome. So there's going to be few guys, especially if they're priced similarly, that I'm not going to take Hoffman over. I like Louie, but Hoffman's been phenomenal. Aside from this week, can you give your quick two cents on the $40 million purse for popular players and Ricky's invite to the PGA? Yeah. So I chatted with this a little bit, um, with Eric Patterson. So there's a, there's a 300 yards unknown podcast about this in your feeds. Uh, the $40 million thing is it's fine. I don't care how they do it. The tour needs to find ways to, they're trying to build barriers for PGL or for other entities to come in and take the top players and pay them a lot of money and say, come play for us. That this is what that is. It's defense. It's a way to pay these guys an extra $40 million without them doing too much more. That's it. It's, it's very simple. I don't, not going to make too big of a deal out of it. Um, Ricky's invite to the PGA. That's a bit hairier. Ricky's going to get a special invite to the PGA championship that he has not earned. Um, it is, it's tough. Um, the PGA championship, like they, Instantly, uh, talk about how they are the best field in golf. Um, well, you can't really say that when you're inviting the guy who's ranked 111th to come play. So I think that does not vibe with what they're trying to do. All right. A couple minutes left here. Any advice for a first timer in a one and done at this point in the season? Um, know your player, player standing, player standing. If you are, if you are near the top, stay chalky. If you are, uh, needing to make up ground, it's it's time. It's time to be a contrarian. It's time to find a win from somebody further down the board or a runner-up finish from somebody down the board. It is time to start making a move. So play your position. 
<laughs> yes, the run good tour. Okay, that's what we were talking about. Oh, there's a few items in the run good store. Okay, yeah, that's it. Oh boy, thoughts on running spreadsheet golf. <laughs> so spreadsheet golf is something else I did uh, during quarantine to show the actual results, how they compare to, <laughs> this is awesome. Um, yeah, I probably won't do it. It's a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of work. It would be cool though. It would be cool. If I could figure out a better way to like just press one button and have it kind of simulate a little bit better, um, maybe, but it was cool. It was cool. Um, all right. I think we're out of questions. I think we're out of time. So for now, thank you. Hit the like button for me. If you want to talk more Valspar, you can do so at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time this evening. Same spot, Rick Rungood YouTube channel for the Jock Market Power Hour. Uh, we will be there. But for now, I really appreciate all you guys hopping on. I appreciate the support. And uh, yeah, best of luck. See you.